0: Welcome to the Valmica Property Investing Podcast, where I, your host, share the key to success in the Australian property investing market. I'm the founder of Valmica Buyers Agency. You can find us at valmicaproperty.com. The contents of this podcast are the personal opinion of your host and are intended for entertainment purposes only. Any financial advice must be obtained from your trusted financial advisor or a qualified professional. In this episode of refinancing and when to do it, we're going to go into a topic that is very, very important in your property journey. If you use this tool effectively you can generate significantly more returns on your investments so today as always we'll discuss the topic and then we'll move on to the auction clearance results for the weekend of 33rd of september 2023 at the end of the episode so what we're going to discuss today on refinancing i'm going to divide it into six segments. The first segment, I'm going to explain what refinancing is and why property investors should consider it. In the second segment, we'll dive into when to refinance. Segment three will be the types of refinancing, and I'll give you some examples of this. Segment four will be the steps in the refinancing process. Segment five, which is quite important, is the post-refinancing strategies. And then lastly, section six are the risks and the pitfalls to refinancing. Okay, so let's dive straight into it. So what is refinancing? Refinancing is very important in your property journey. And the reason being is that just as you're looking to get your returns on your property the lenders are looking to attract clients as well and because they do this they compete against each other and they compete against each other through interest rates so that's one thing to keep in mind so it's always important to refinance your property through the property journey because bearing in mind that you can get competitive rates out there through the life cycle of your journey so Primarily, refinancing has got to do with getting lower interest rates. But you may say, we're in an interest rate hiking environment, or close to the end of an interest rate hiking environment. There's no way we're going to get lower interest rates. And that's not 100% correct. And it's got to do with the competition between lenders. And the Reserve Bank has recently stated that there is strong competition between lenders. So in fact, between May 2022 and June 2023, the cash rate increased by 4 percentage points, as you all know. But during that same period, the average interest rate for outstanding variable rate loans only increased by 3.37 percentage points, so much lower than the 4 percentage points of interest rate hikes that we saw from the uh, Reserve Bank. And that's primarily got to do with the competition between lenders. So if we take those statistics a little bit further, so when considering all outstanding loans, now that includes variable loans and fixed rate loans, if you take those both into account, the average interest rate increase is only 2.75 percentage points during the same period and that's because some borrowers still have low rate fixed loans that were issued before the rate hikes began. Now of course many of those fixed rate loans are going to be rolling off the books and moving into variable loans so that 2.75 percentage points is going to increase uh, towards the the average of that 3.37 percent at least. So the other reason for refinancing is to access equity in your investments. So over time, property value increases. And as property value increases, your percentage of debt to to the value of the property decreases. So that is an an increase in the equity component of your investment. So let's take an example. If you started off with a property that was valued at $500,000, for example, and a few years later, it's valued at $700,000, that uptick between $500,000 and $700,000 is another $200,000 in equity that you can access by pre-financing. And there's very good uh, ways and means of using that equity. You can use it for a deposit for another... Um, investment property, you can use it for improving cash flows if you're um, having hard times. So refinancing has got accessing equity benefits and then improving cash flow benefits. So the improving of the cash flow, and, and this is this is probably an important topic for people currently because interest rates are biting and the cost of living is is very expensive. So in this high interest rate environment many households are struggling. So using your refinancing is a means to be able to carry you through those difficult times and I'm seeing that with quite a few um, investors. What they traditionally are doing is they Accessing additional equity by refinancing, that equity they're using as a buffer to carry them through until when interest rates decrease again. So let's say for example you access another $100,000 and then banks by the way and other lenders, non-bank lenders as well, they offer incentives to use them. So they'll give you a a bonus of say $3,500 for example if you refinance with them. So that's extra cash flow that you can utilize into your um, into your uh, cash flow um, managing metrics. So let's take that example. You you access another hundred thousand dollars that hundred thousand dollars you can keep aside to pay down your debt over time. So if you're struggling to meet your mortgage payments reaccessing equity in your property through refinancing you can use as a measure to give you extra capital to pay down your debt until interest rates start dropping and those interest payments get cheaper. So it's a means to manage that cash flow. The other ways of me- managing cash flow is because you're refinancing at a lower interest rate, your cash flow dynamics improve because you're paying less interest. So you've got less commitments every month. So it improves your cash flow dynamics. Now this is a big topic on its own which I can go into in another podcast but improving cash flow is a very very core reason why you would want to refinance. Okay so moving on to the next segment and that is when to refinance. The most obvious answer to that is when there's changes in interest rates and as mentioned already it's even when interest rates go up it's a it's a key time to be able to refinance because of the making use of the competition amongst the lenders and getting a lower interest rate that you would have currently if you kept with your current loan. The second time to refinance is the property when the, your property value has appreciated. So as mentioned before, if you've had your property for a while and it's increased in value, it's a good time to refinance when you want to use that uh, equity to put down as a deposit for another property or to manage cash flows, as mentioned before. A third time to you refinance, a good time to refinance, is when you have life changing circumstances. And many Australians are going through that at the moment because of the high cost of living. So, refinancing helps with their cash flow. Um, the cash flow in times, in difficult times, because you get access to lower interest rates, you have lower monthly commitments than you would have comparatively by keeping your current um, loan package, or if you're accessing equity to help you through the difficult times. It's not advisable to use debt to fund life lifestyle, so fund depreciating items like cars or going on holidays because you're utilizing debt to do that. It's never a good thing to use for items that don't give you a higher return than the cost of their debt. So it's always good to keep that in mind. The other time to refinance is on a consistent running basis. So I like to relook at my financing every two to three years and I, and I use that as a habit. Because if you're able to access cheaper rates than you would have every two to three years, that is money back in your pocket. And that's not only is that money back in your pocket, but that money back in your pocket has a compounding effect as well. So decreasing your cost of debt every two to three years, the compounding effects of that result in thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. An interesting statistic from the australian bureau of statistics abs so refinancing activity has remained at record highs in the recent months so there was a 12 12.6 percent jump year on year on refinancing and this is because borrowers have continued to switch lenders amid these interest rate rises and more significantly the last 14 months have been the 14 biggest months in refinancing history. So now is a good time to refinance and make take advantage of the competition amongst lenders. Spare in mind that, that lenders and, and particularly banks, the way they generate revenue for their businesses is by writing loans. So In times when there's a bear market, less people tend to get loans because it's less affordable. Therefore, the banks have threats to their revenue stream because they're writing less loans. And as a result, they compete against each other to try and win businesses from, from win um, loan business from other banks by giving incentives like lower interest rates, sign-on and bonuses, for example, the $3,500 incentive scheme to to move your financing. So it's always wise to make use of this. Okay, in segment three, we're going to move on to the types of refinancing. Now, the term of your refinancing is important. When I refinance, I always like to keep the longest term possible. And the reason being is that the longer the term, the less your principal and interest commitments at the end of the month because you've got more time to pay it off therefore the amount that you pay off monthly is lower. Other means is if you want to have a shorter term loan to pay it off quicker you can do that but if you've got the discipline it's worthwhile having a longer loan and just paying in um, more every month to more ties that loan quicker as if you would have in a shorter term loan because it gives you the flexibility to be able to redraw on that facility re-enter into uh, using that capital that you've um, paid down extra into uh, using that money to for other properties other investments for etc then the other types of fundings that you need to consider is whether you want to go for fixed or floating Now, obviously, when you just come out of a bear market with high inflation um, and the reserve banks have gone in an aggressive hiking cycle, it's not advisable to fix them because then you're fixing at the top of the interest rate cycle. So you'll find that people tend to fix when there's a view that we've reached the bottom of a cutting cycle, Then then it's wise to to fix those rates. Now, in Australia, the banks typically don't let you fix more than two, three years, maybe five years at most. But this is likely to change, in my opinion, in the future, because banks in, in, around the world, like in America, for example, they allow you to f- fix for the entire duration of the, uh, the entire tenor of the, the loan. So if it's 30 years, they allow you to fix for 30 years. Now those in, those people in America who managed to get loans when interest rates were all time lows, they were able to fix it at all time lows, so they've got very very cheap funding for the whole tenor of their loan, which is very very favourable. Now this is an and it can get a become a very very advanced topic, because the right time to f- Fix loans or keep it in floating, it's got to do with the shape of an interest rate curve. So there's a shape of where traders predict interest rates to be over time. And this is using interest rate derivatives because banks apply a credit spread to interest rate derivatives to determine your loan. And those interest rate derivatives are actively traded instruments in the market and they're forward-looking. So, to take advantage of the lows of the cycle, it actually happens before you get to the low of the cycle because the interest rate curve predicts it, but that is a topic for another podcast if people are interested in it. Then the other type of refinings that you can look at is whether you want to go to interest only or principal and interest. The advantage of interest only is that your commitments every month are lower because you're not paying back the principal. So it becomes a cash flow decision. If you're comfortable in not paying down the loan in terms of its principal amount and only paying the interest, then it's a means to have a lower commitment every month. Some investors do that with more risk appetite, and others don't. You want to get that to de-risk their, their debt and, and draw down the, the principle with it as well. So it becomes a personal risk appetite and cash flow management decision on behalf of the investor. So a very, very important thing to look at when refinancing is the equity versus the interest rate level that you are getting from the bank. And what I mean by this, and it's got, it's got to do with your gearing ratio. So gearing ratio is the amount of debt that you have against the value of the property. So if your property is worth a million dollars and you've got $500,000 of debt, you've got a 50% gearing level. Now, the lower your gearing level, the lower risk you are to the banks or to the lender if you're using a non-bank lender. Therefore, the more bargaining power you have with them. So if you have a low gearing ratio, you should be pushing for a lower interest rate when compared to others who have a higher gearing ratio. Now, banks don't look at this. They'll charge you the rate that they would charge in someone with an 80 percent gearing level to those who have a 50 percent gearing level, which is not right because it's if you're a 50 percent gearing level, for example, you are much lower risk because they have a lot more equity on hand, the banks, and therefore you are significantly lower risk. So you must use this as leverage, excuse the pun, to negotiate with with the lender for a lower interest rate than they would normally give because you are much lower risk. All right, moving on to the necessary steps that you will go through. refinancing. Now the most obvious one is finding the right lender. There's many ways and means to do this and many people use mortgage brokers or you can approach the lenders directly yourself. You can google on the internet a couple of lenders and approach them directly. This obviously is more time consuming on your behalf but it's definitely something you can do. But what's important to remember when you're refinancing is that for every refinance session that you're going through and for every bank that you are approaching for the refinance process, they do a credit score check. Every time they access that credit score check, it actually counts negatively against your credit score. It's a a weird, weird um, thing that I discovered. So it's important not to go through a refinancing process very, very regularly because they ping your credit scores and it lowers your credit score for every ping that they, they access. Maybe it's not every ping, but every refinancing process you go through, it can lower your credit score. So it's it's something to keep in mind. That's why every two to three years when I look at where interest rates are, I'll gauge with the lenders first before I get them to do a credit check on me Just so I see where they are more or less in terms of their rates. And then you go with the one that you think will be the most um, will have the better rate, and you go through the the credit score process with them. Or they they will do they will do the checking and the credit score. Then what the banks will do is they will assess the property value that your where your collateral lies on that refinancing. And this is something that they've got tools and means to do it. They might have an online tool where they can check it or they will send a property valuer to your property to, to value it for the refinancing process. Refinancing process can can be a little bit time consuming, but it's worth it because of the amount of money you can solve that you can gain through doing it because you'll be asked for all the financial documents, so your paint slips, your rental statements if it's an investment property, bank statements, etc. Keep in mind that if you do this regularly, this only happens every two to three years, and it's well worth the amount of money that you'll be saving and that you'll be compounding in your returns through your investment by having the savings. So it's well, well worth it. Moving on to segment five, and that's the post refinancing strategies. This is a very in-depth topic, so I'm just going to speak about it briefly because I don't want this podcast to go too long. If it's something of interest, let me know and I can create a- another podcast that speaks of this topic uh, and goes into more depth. All right, so the, finance, the refinancing strategies fall into two categories. First is the use of the actual facility, the the debt facility itself. Secondly is what you do with the refinancing capital. Talking about the first category. So there's two types of accounts that you have against your debt facility. One is the actual offset account. And the second is the actual redraw facility. Now there are two separate ways you can use it to generate more return for your investment. So what is the offset account? The offset account, as the name implies, offsets any money sitting in the account against the actual loan, quantum, when it calculates interest. So let's use an example. So if you've got a loan of $500,000 and in your offset account You've got money to the tune of a hundred thousand dollars sitting in that account. Every month when you have your principal and interest payments or your interest payments, the way the bank calculates what those payments will be is the balance of five hundred thousand less what's in the offset account, so that's a hundred thousand dollars, that equates to four hundred thousand dollars. So, instead of calculating the interest on $500,000, they'll calculate the interest on $400,000. So, it's a very effective means of paying less interest on your loan, but still being able to utilize that money when you need it. So, that's the offset account. It's very important to use that offset account as much as you can. So, What I like to do is have any money that comes into you, like salaries, et cetera, have it paid into that offset account because for every day that you've got a higher balance, it's offset against your loan, so you're saving interest rates. So make use of it. Make sure that you always get money um, deposited into the account because as soon as it's in the account, the amount that is in that account offsets the, the loan principal amount when they when they calculate the interest. So it can save you thousands and thousands of dollars using that. Then the other account is the redraw facility. So in your actual loan that you get, it has a balance that you see that you pay in every month, and you see that balance going down. You can put a lump sum payment in there, into that actual loan, that is available for you to redraw when you can. Now, why why would you do that? What's the difference of behaving of having a redraw facility versus an offset account? The redraw facility, what it does is it lowers the actual principal and interest payment every month straight away. And what I mean by that, if you've got a loan of five hundred thousand dollars, you'll have a principal and loan amount equal to, say x. Now if you deposit that hundred thousand dollars straight into it your principal and interest payment over the 30 years is not paying off 500,000 anymore it's paying off 400,000 dollars so your monthly commitments are significantly less because it's spreading out that um, difference over 30 years so in other words you're paying back $100,000 less over 30 years, so your monthly commitments are going to be less. However, you don't get that in the offset account, because what the offset account does, it's still calculating as if you're paying it back, the $500,000 over 30 years, even though you've got $100,000 sitting in your offset account. All that does, the offset account does, is you're able to pay, pay it back quicker because you're paying less interest. So that's the difference. If it doesn't make sense, pause here and re-listen to it and it'll make sense. But I will go into another podcast where I'll go into this in more depth. Now, moving on to the refinancing strategy that you use when you actually gain access to the equity. Now, these are obvious ones, so you can use that capital for property upgrades or for new property investments but I like to highlight that the trick is to use the capital in an asset whatever form of asset it is it is property or it's a business or where it's a stocks for example the trick is to put it in in a vehicle that will give you a higher return than the cost of that debt. So if you refinanced and you refinanced a larger amount because you took out more equity from your property, let's say it's another $200,000. And the cost of that refinance is, your interest rate is now 6%. Whatever you put that extra $200,000 into, must give you a return higher than 6% for you to make it worthwhile. So, for example, if I use that $200,000 as a deposit into another property, on average, property in Australia has grown at, say, between 8 to 10% per annum. That 8 to 10% per annum is higher than the 6% it's costing you. So, it's going to generate it's going to create more wealth for you because the cost of the debt is easy, easily being outdone by the return on that asset. So if you're going to use that money and buy a car, for example, not only is it going to cost you 6%, but the value of the car is going to depreciate as well. So it's not an effective way of reusing that financing. So it's it's something to keep in mind. Moving on to segment six, and that's the risks and pitfalls of refinancing. Now the most obvious one is over leveraging. Don't refinance to the extent that where you're getting a more debt that you think is going to put you in financial troubles in, in terms of over leveraging in the future. Always plan on how you're going to service that debt, it's all about cash flow management. So when you refinance, always do a cash flow management exercise with it. The other means, and it's something that we've also spoke about, we touched on, and the risks are, is when you refinance to finance depreciating items or lifestyle. So the risk to that is that if you refinance, you take out more equity from your property in the form of that refinancing and you use it to fund a fancy lifestyle and then you end up in trouble and you're not able to service that debt. You've got to remember that that refinancing is collateralized and it's collateralized against the property. So if you can't pay back that... Um, monthly commitment in the mortgages you can in theory lose the asset that is collateralized by it but so you can lose the property so it's always advisable to be smart with what you use the refinancing for and also one of the other risks to mention is too many refinancing requests can affect your credit scores as mentioned before Okay so that's it for the topic for the week. I'm just going to go through the auction clearance results quickly. So New South Wales cleared at 70.98%, with Sydney clearing at 73.84%, so a strong showing again this weekend. Victoria cleared at 69.14% with Melbourne at 69.25%, turn increase from a week ago. Western Australia is still showing weak clearance rates as if on a state level so that's at 25% however Perth in isolation had a strong clearance weekend at 40% relative to last week so 20% increase relative to last week. Then moving on to Queensland Queensland had a 61.4% clearance rate with Brisbane at 66.67%. South Australia is still the strongest clearance rates in the country at 83.3%. And Adelaide at 82.81%, slightly lower from last weekend. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and it added value and some in good insights into the refinancing world. See you on the next one. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Valmica Property Investing Podcast. I hope you found our discussion insightful and empowering. If you are interested in finding out more about our services at Valmica Buyers Agency, visit our website at valmicaproperty.com. There you'll discover how we can assist you in making informed decisions and achieving your property goals. See you on the next episode.